Welcome back to a special Legit Bat. Uh, we're going to tell some restaurant food service stories, and we promised to do that a couple weeks ago, and we had this guy on, Daniel Diaz, author of Who Would Have Thought, and which we have a copy of, and Jen's almost done reading. Right? Yeah, it's awesome. Highly recommend, people. If you, Even if you haven't worked in the service industry, just pick it up and read it, because it's absolutely hilarious. If you have ever worked in any section of the service industry, whether you're at a fast food restaurant, whether you're a cook or a server or a bartender, just read it because I promise it's highly relatable to you in some way. It, even and stuff hilarious. Like, like retail can be, you know, you'd probably get something out of it even working retail, but food service is, in particular <laughs> has its own set of weird shit that happens. And it's funny because a lot of it is your coworkers and, but most of it's the public. So if you've ever watched Waiting, the server movie, just watch it because it's so spot the fuck on. It's not even that exaggerated either. I've seen worse shit than that yes. in waiting and in real life. And uh, so, yeah, if you haven't watched it and you even if you don't work for food service, go watch waiting because that's hilarious. But Daniel, uh, give us a quick little intro and uh, where they can get your book and all that stuff. Guys, yeah, so my book is called Who Would Have Thought, a server with PTSD story. Uh, I believe because, I mean, I've been working in the restaurant business for more than 10 years now. And, you know, I noticed that servers, they have a pattern of, you know, dynamic. You know, they go in the restaurant, they have to do a job, they have to go and kind of care for people that they just met, right? And they have to show them, you know, a kind of you know, all, all representation so they can leave the tip. And then you can see like every server, they have the same problems in their heads, you know, to make the money and to leave the restaurant in a peaceful way, you got to let it go. So there's a lot of good stuff. You know, it's kind of a hero's journey that you go into when you're the restaurant business because you have to let your ego go so you can be in the moment. And like society nowadays, we're not in the moment at all. We're thinking like all oh, about the social dopamine that you can get from, you know, social media. So being a server is like being a badass today. And I think, so when I wrote the book, I was like, whoever's going to read this, my only purpose is like, whenever you read it, you're going to see yourself inside that restaurant, inside that same dynamic, you know, talking to people, even though you just fought with your wife at home and then you were at the job having to like, hi, how are you doing today? Hey guys. Yep. Oh, here's the new menu. Pa, pa, pa. So it's like, you know, kind of, Badass thinking with slash um, problems at home, leaving behind, and then going in, giving full of yourself every single day. And yeah. there's nothing more been badass than that, like daily, daily circumstances. Yeah, and that, that was the thing I always hated about being a server in particular. I mean, restaurants in general are its own thing, but a server particularly, I know both sides of it. I know it from the cook side. The customer side, the manager side, I've seen all sides of a server and I understand them. But a lot of them can be quite pricks and or cunts or bitches because and you get it. They deal with the worst people all day, especially if you work at a diner like I did. Like it's just the you're dealing with basically the people that the cops are going to have to deal with later that night anyway. But you get to do yeah. it first. Is that yeah. perfect? That's so true. Yeah, you deal with the people like, oh man, it's a moment where they have fifty dollars to spend, depending on the day and depending on the circumstance. But there's people that just came in, and they apparently they have fifty dollars and they're gonna spend fifty dollars, but they're gonna give you some peace of mind of their minds of their reality before leaving you the rest <laughs> of the day. And then, like, it's up to you to know how to manage that. If you're a beginner, it's harder, and so. 
My book, I laid it out. Since the first time this guy walks into the restaurant, he's a newbie. He never worked in the industry before. He was used to working in a pizza place, which was such a small restaurant. You just have to give refuse and take plates away. And now he's in a restaurant that is much busier. And, it's, you know, there is a lot of demands because the managers, you know, they go on you a lot because there's a lot of customers to be being taken care of. So you got to deal with five to eight tables at once. And that's where you pop up, like, you know, your institute. Because for me, whenever I, I started dealing with the circumstances with, you know, big tables, big session, my mind was like, dude, this is crazy. But then I was like, I'm just going to let my inner self go. You know, let's see what happens. Because if I, the more I try to control, I lost it, you know? So I was like, let me do my own thing and let me talk my own way. And that was the freedom that I found in the restaurant because I kind of find myself, you know? So I think every service goes through this. You're kind of yeah. dealing with that circumstances where you're being pat on the back to doing something. There's like condescending a day, like sometimes. And your your own mind is just like, okay, this is my job. I'm going to make this money for a while. And then that's it. But then you meet the people. There is a lot of mentors that comes your way. You know, I use the serving industry. And I think that's the biggest lesson. You go into the industry, you're going to met. Because, I mean, for me, I didn't know how to speak to crowds. And I remember I had this one manager that he would like, hey, hey, hey. Everybody's doing a bad job today. I need you all together here. And then he would like, only his voice, he would gather 100 people. And then he would send a message. And in those moments, like, I don't know how to do that. So let me pay attention to that guy when he does this. And what does he use to make that happen? Because he's just basically the same, you know, like, especially if you work with the manager, he was a server and then he writes to manager and he see he's kicking ass. Like, that's a lesson to you right there because you met the guy when he was like somewhere below, in a, in a below level. Now he's doing a good job as a manager. So you take the lesson and then you move on. Like, wow, you know, Three restaurants later, you are a totally, totally different guy. And that's exactly what happened with the book. You know, if you, goddamn, I'm so, like, this is so nice because you read it. And it gives you the feeling, like, through the emotions he go into. He started in a buffet restaurant and then nightclub, which is a different kind of environment. And then he starts to feel it to all the drunks, you know, all the people that comes in. They're doing cocaine. They're doing this and that. The mindset is all over the place, man. And... Like, I think whenever you do this for three years and then you get out, you're going to go do whatever, you're ready for it. You're just ready. Yeah. Like, a lot of people find themselves when you're a server. You have to, for self-preservation purposes, you have yeah. to roll with the punches. You have to figure that out. Because if you try to control, like you were saying earlier, it's going to get away from you. And if you try to memorize everything or you, if you try to really do anything besides be fun and be happy and live in the moment, it's not going to be a fun time for you. So yeah. that a lot of people, you have to just learn to be like, whatever, I made a mistake. Who cares? You have to stop caring so much, but also still care at the same time. Well, it's kind of, it's a hard balance. That is a, one of the things the newer servers I remember had a hard time with is I can't believe I fucked up getting the ice in this thing or, you know, whatever the mistake <laughs> is. I'm like, yeah. first of all, you have to get over it first. The customer is never going to, but it always drove me nuts when somebody who's never been a server is like, I'm not tipping them. All they did was bring my food out. Okay. First of all, pet peeve of servers is for somebody to act like that. Um, yeah. Well, number one, don't fuck with the people who handle your food. You will re regret it at some point. 
stop feeling like you're so special because you have 50 bucks to spend at Applebee's. Get the fuck over right. yourself. You are not a king or a queen. You yep. are just getting to treat your family. So treat the people around you, including your server, with respect. Yeah, you get a, a five-person table that all order waters. They're assholes to you the whole time. They leave a mess. Then they don't tip you because all you did was bring their food. I'm like, well, fuck these people. And they're like, we're never coming here again. I'm like, great. Thank you. Go away. <laughs> Yeah, the beautiful side of it is like whenever you read and then you feel like, okay, I've been doing this for a long time and I know like you greet the you greet them and you know this is an asshole. Like this guy is an asshole. He has some issues. He break in all this shit. So I remember this guy, because uh, I mean I think you know the double meaning of words in serving is so crucial, you know, for you to keep your mind safe, like you know, peaceful wise. And because I mean the so I think. I remember this manager, like there was like two managers arguing with each other and then like, oh, I'm a manager too. And I, I make decisions. And then one of them said, okay, have fun. And on that have fun, what, what was the meaning behind, okay, have fun? It was like, go fuck yourself and do this then, okay? Exactly. So I love that. It's like kind of mafia thing in the industry, you know, even with customers. And I talk, I think was like, we talk about writing a book that would tell the double meaning of words. And I brought this into the podcast because I think it's out of this world. You know, you got to know the, you know, have a nice day. It's like, suck a dick, bro. You know, <laughs> those, yep. those double meanings, man, like all the time we have this happening. And then if you just know, because I mean, once you know how to level up, oh my God, it's such like, it's, it's not even a lesson for you to deal with the customer. You take this for life. And then just yep. master that, man. Just master that because you're going to need that. There's such a useful skill. You're dealing with a drunk in a parking lot. There's a, har a harassing a lady or whatever. You can use this, you know. So let me read something to you guys. Okay. I got it right here. Do it. Wait. Got to get a drink so first. There is, you go. Yeah, so I'm going to say one phrase. It's going to be old phrase and then the new phrase, you know. Yeah. Whichever you go into and then say it, you know, without. So old phrase would be no fucking way. And then the new phrase would be, you know, to be more polite, you'd like, I'm not certain that's feasible. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you general from... customer service shit. Yeah it's, yeah. it's what managers say to Karen's. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. have to also in your head while you're, while you're saying these things, know that you're saying the other thing and know that you're a little bit, better than that person because they're being shitty to you and you're not being shitty to them back and you got a ear to ear grin the whole time right? like you're the nicest person in the world yeah i hope you have a very safe drive home sir yeah. god forbid anything to happen to you would hate for somebody oh. to cut your brake lines <laughs> whoa yes and then the old phrase the second one is you got to be shitting me right like you like for example somebody ordered a dish and they're like oh this is not what i ordered and then you're like you know, and so you got to be shitting me. And then the new phrase is like, really? You know, so that's the one. <laughs> really? Just shortening it up. That's so. Yes. Yeah. And then ask me if I give a fuck. I use this a lot with managers, you know. <laughs> ask me if I give a fuck. And then the new phrase is like, of course, I'm not concerned, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one is like, it's not my fucking problem. And then the new phrase is like, I wasn't involved in that project. You know? so, <laughs> Ooh, there you go. That can, that's out. very, uh, that's a dynamic phrase that can be applied across. All that's templates. very, very, very corporate phrase. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, man. Cause I mean, if you talk to a manager, um, 
So the managers that are more corporate, they go like, as long as I, as long as I've been told, I think that's the way we should do things. And as long, you know, like they go like, as you can clearly see, you know, they have those build up phrases. They're like, comes from a book and you just hear like, God damn, man, can you speak like a human being, bro? Dude, right. my, my my go-to phrase was always uh that's how i was trained because a they have no idea who trained me and b they don't know if that's true or not so they're like oh. yeah that's not how you do it i'm like well i'm not getting in trouble though because that's how i was trained or i would blame the cooks all the time oh i'm so sorry they did that let me go take this back for you <laughs> i'm just kidding i only did that sometimes okay we always knew when the servers did that though because i'm like you goddamn know that you're tipping me tonight because i did not fuck up on that we picked our battles. I wasn't always blaming you guys. I only did sometimes when it was really, really important that I didn't have any blame on me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's important because, you know, like uh, for me, the moment I try, like, because also my customers love if you give them a little shit, you know, not a little shit, but like, come on, I thought you're going to finish that. Oh, wow. I thought you said like you like good tequila or, you know, I thought you said, you know, like whenever you play them like this, it's better than being subservient all the way because, you Absolutely. know, then you make the hyena in the guy like alive. It's like, okay, I can't eat this guy alive, right? Jesus Christ. And let's go ahead. Just one more quote, like, fuck it. It won't work. And the new phrase would be, I'm not sure I can implement this. <laughs> perfect you got to make bigger yes. words the bigger words sound more you know professional Especially saying that as a server to a manager yes. at a restaurant <laughs> uh i'm gonna need you to take that 10 top over there that two top across there and then i need you to get 10 drinks over to this table over here i'm not yes. sure if i can implement that sir oh yes you gotta <laughs> add on you and you need to go on break now and you're gonna need to add phrases in like you have to add the question that someone would also ask before the old and new phrase yeah, and, and you behind your side work and you just, you know, go and do your side work after you greet the three tables and take care of them because you like we missing the ice and you on ice tonight. We're like, oh, yeah. I thought, you know, this is a two way street, bro. And uh, fuck it. I'm on a break. I'll get right to it. OK, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, one that I love, I use this with my coworkers a lot. So I always think like, bro, he got his ass. Oh, he got his head up his ass. That guy. But then he's like, okay, he's not familiar with the problem, you know? So, <laughs> this exactly. Is, yeah, this is for customers. Like, uh, uh, literally, if you go to a restaurant, I think every server, whenever, uh, like, you kind of nestle with them, and then they say, you know, have a nice day, is like, you know, suck a dick, something, you right. know? Always, you can just feel in the voice of the server, man. Even the host sometimes, you know, the host, you go in, it's like, okay, I, I have a party of 10, and then you come in with six people, and you give the host a hard time and then she tries to find you a table for 10 but you only have six and then in the end you're going home and then she's like okay have a nice day so that's literally okay eat shit and die bro like you know <laughs> that's straight up what it means it's like so on point and you can feel it like if you pay attention to the tone of voice and the body language sometimes it gives away oh yeah in the so, eyes a lot in the eyes yeah yes no the eyes don't lie exactly <laughs> so eat shit it would be like then, so old phrase, eat shit, and then new phrase, you don't say. And then <laughs> eat shit and die. Excuse me. Eat shit and die, motherfucker. Excuse me, sir. Eat shit and die, bitch. Excuse me, ma'am. Uh, what the hell they want from me? Oh, man, they were happy with it. You know? And then um, show, okay. This, this job sucks. Man, I love a challenge. 
<laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, what is that's it? It's a way to flip your mentality really fast. Yeah, this yeah, is a yeah, challenge. That, it's an adventure instead of a complete dumpster fire. It'll be fun. Come on, man. This is bullshit, mm -hmm. but it's fun. You know, whatever. And then, bro, oh, man, you were like, this bitch is from hell. And then, like, literally, I say that to rude female customers sometimes. Like, I think, you're a bitch from hell. And then I think, oh, my God, <laughs> so precious. <laughs> and, you know, uh, suck a dick is have a nice day. And big fucking deal is, like, that doesn't appear to be a problem. You know? <laughs> oh, I like so, that one a lot. That's a Yeah, a that goes to all scales, man. You know, uh, now yeah. I'm so I told you guys, right? I'm back in the industry. So, uh, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, I was, you know, I have, as the Godfather said, they pulled me back in. I was trying to get away. And, but the good part of this, I'm back as a bartender. So, uh, bartending service, like, there is a difference because, like, I, I bartending, they come to you. And There's serving. more respect for a bartender than there is for a server all the Tech. time. Yes, because the bartender, they come to you. So you're kind of in your house, in your element. You know, you don't have to go, you know, and let's say a server. So I was, so this was last week. I was bartending and then we got crazy busy. My manager was like, can you take a table? I was like, yeah. I went to the table. This is a clear, clear example, like how bartenders are treated and servers are treated because I remember I was walking up to them and they have their food, they have their drinks, everything was going great. And I'm like, oh, is everything okay? You guys need, need anything else? And the guy was like, can you bring me more queso? This is a Mexican restaurant. You know the queso dip, right? The one that is like melted cheese. It's really good. And then he was like, can you bring me more queso? And I was like, okay, uh, yes, but that's not a refill. So I'll have to charge you for that. Is that okay? And then the guy was like, yeah, if you bring me the queso full to the top, and then, like, immediately my head was like, okay, if I was at the bar, that he never said this shit. You know, like, give the server, like, so server, they give you this because you literally, because I remember, they're all talking at the table. I walk up to them, and then I kind of stop their flow of the conversation. And I think, like, ah, this guy is here again. What the fuck? You know, instead of being the bartender, like, hey, you guys okay? Yeah, yeah, you're so nice. Ah. Like yeah, usually a bartender, you can't get to come over because he's got 45 people he's serving, you know, the yeah. server is so much easier. They only have three tables, so they're not doing anything. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah the, thing with, the thing with serving is like the only thing you miss about, you know, the difference between serving and bartender is getting cut, man, because bartender stays to the bitter end and you got to be there cleaning the bottles and shit. Everybody's going home already, you know, servers are drinking outside and I'm in, but that's like, I cannot keep walking as the way I was, you know, but uh, serving is the school of life and bartender will be like more a school to, I don't know, man, to the next level, I guess. But um, I think so. A bartender is like a promotion. They usually right. don't just hire bartenders with no experience, but if you're a good yeah. server and you know how to make drinks, they'll promote you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Usually you become as you start as a server. You gain confidence. The manager like likes the way you ask questions and you, the way you deal with customers. And then you go up to bartender. And um, in my book, uh, the, he's a server all the way because I, I just became a bartender like three years, the past three years. But he falls in love. The server. Did you get to that part of the nightclub where the server falls in love with the bartender? Yeah. Yeah, dude, so, I'm almost done. So I love the nightclub too. It's awesome. 
Yeah, please, you're going to get to the part where I call us, you know, I invite everybody to be a noble savage because I think civilizing, like the civilization right now is kind of collapsing and the, the things we trusted, you know, in our system about school, about graduation, about a diploma, I think that's all going away. We have chat GPT, all these things coming. And then 10 years from now, if you're a lawyer, I don't think you're going to be that big of a deal, you know. So the thing is, uh, be a noble savage. Noble savage is like get in touch with your own traumas because the, the industry is perfect for one thing that uh, a guy called Paul Young called shadow work. That's like, we talk about this the last time. We told the ego that yeah. in, in restaurants, you know. So that's a perfect place, man. That was for me, at least. You know, I'm talking about my experience. For me to do my own shadow work, it was inside a restaurant. You know, I would be having, you know, crazy days. Also, I overcame all the limits I thought I had in a restaurant because, uh, oh, man, I'm a double today. And then you take, bro, there's no way I'll double today. Like, my legs are gone. You know, my back hurts. Like, my mind is off. I cannot talk with assholes right now. And then you go on a break. You smoke a joint. And you eat. Then you come back, all of a sudden the adrenaline kicks in and there you are again, man. Like a savage. What the fuck? I couldn't, like, I didn't know I had this in me. You know, like right? literally an hour ago, I thought it was a loser. Now I'm here and I'm kicking ass. Who am I? You know, like, yeah. what is up? Like you go no, to my... that realm. There's that something to needing come. money too. If you need the money, yeah. you'll be a noble savage all day in that job. But if you don't yeah. need it, sometimes it's a lot easier to say, eh, fuck it. I'm not doing a double today. So I th what was funny, I thought about, especially our last talk about how you specifically said smoking weed helped that industry. And I, I don't know very many servers that didn't smoke weed all the time. And it's weird because yeah. some of the ones that did were the most flippy out, flip outy people ever. I'm like, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you should uh, stick to whatever else you're doing, the painkillers or, you know, because uh, just in case people don't know, when you name a restaurant you go in there 90 percent of people are on something the cooks are usually drunk or on cocaine the servers are on any number of things these days i don't even know <laughs> probably fentanyl i never took a single drug when i was a server i drank after my shift but i was the only person i knew like i was an outcast <laughs> because everyone was all coked up or wasted on the job and it was seemed super fun later when i bartended i definitely drank on the job the, uh, as a server, it was like impossible. The flip side of the the one pothead that would just flip out about everything was the sober person that flipped out about everything. And I'm like, see, that one needs the weed. And sometimes they actually <laughs> oh, would. Yeah. And it would they'd be like, oh, that was the best shift ever. I'm like, I know. I said, you need this. You flip out <sighs> about shit. Smoke the weed. Go serve that Christian table like, <laughs> like you're supposed to. On Sunday. Yeah. Go give them all their water refills and take your change tip. It'll be fine. Yeah, man. I would love because I, I always thought like, bro, weed makes me too professional. Like, oh my God, I'm the perfect talker. Focus. Yeah, I'm focused. I know what I'm doing. I'm not nervous. If I don't have weed, I'm nervous. I'm overthinking and I'm anxious. Man. Like, what the fuck? I mean, I'm here. I remember one time, so this was perfect. Like, perfect example. How weed helps you instead of blowing you away. I was at a table. I was serving these 20 guys. So, you know, they're Asian, C. Morgan and Morgan and Morgan, you know. They, they, oh, they're not famous over there, bro. This this is in Florida. So they have a law firm agency called Morgan, Morgan and Morgan. The guy is a huge white dude, you know. You know, he, they, like they take care. So in Florida, they're the big guys, you know. So if you have a fucking accident with a car, that's who you call and they take everybody's money. 
<laughs> whatever. But then I was serving them. They're like millionaires. Uh, I work at the steakhouse. And I was, so they ordered two bottles of wine. And uh, each wine was $180, something like that. It was like a good price to wine. And I was very like, God damn, I'm going to make money. Everybody's spending. It's going to be a 300 tip, you know. Let's get this going. And but I, I was way too high, you know. I was like very my my eyes were Chinese and everything. And I was like, I went to this table, opened the bottle. And then one thing that happened, I over like I didn't, you know, I was overconfident. So I was talking to him because I like, you know, I'm peeling, I'm peeling the wine, I'm like talking shit. Da, da, da. It's like, oh my God, you guys here, you're celebrating. That is so nice. Uh-huh. And then I'm peeling the wine and then I put the cork and then I start taking the cork. And then I miscalculated the cork and I tore the cork away, you know, right in the middle. And this oh. is in front of 20 white guys in a table, you know. And then I look at like literally make the noise like crack. And then I look at them, <laughs> they look at me like, you know, and then I like Jesus. They're like, hey, I put the wine back and they're like, hey, excuse me, would you just give me one second? I'm having a little issue with this cork. I need to go in the kitchen to fix this. I'll be right back. And then I went straight, like, no hesitation, no, you know, doubts, no whatever, you know. Then I went in the kitchen. I, like, I, I, I started doing my own thing, you know, like, grab it. We were really patient. I took it, the rest of the... So I did not fuck up the wine. There is no, you know, wood going into the wine or whatever from the pork. Then I went back to the table real fast, like, okay, so here's the same wine. And I just fixed it, you know, the cork. Everything's perfect. Would you be okay with this bottle is still served? Like, yeah, man, that's fine. Then I served them, da, da, da. they gave me like, I think I made $400 that night because I mean, it was a lot of food, a lot of drinks, wine, and coffees. Oh, yeah. And then, bro, I think like, if I wasn't one weed that night, I would be like, oh my God, look what happened. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. You know, and you made the situation like, it's already a bad situation. You make it worse by the emotional reaction, you know, especially if it's an angry reaction. Because they like the principle is you're in the restaurant. You don't have you don't want to have to deal with a negative moment, you know. So if you do something stupid, just like you know, be a monk, a monk, man, and then whatever. Because this was like a valuable lesson for me. Because I remember, like, I did not break down and everything was fine. What the fuck? That was the first time I had control over that kind of you know negativity and you no know, lash. I don't know, like mistake in front of a crowd. Because in the brain, you guys know, so the brain has a, a spotlight, I think, syndrome. That's why if you go to a stage to give a speak to like 100 people, that kicks in. And so you're like, oh, my God, what I'm doing here? You know, so that conscious self comes in and then you're nervous because your brain, oh, my God, everybody's looking at me. So if you because I mean, that's in everybody. That's not oh, yeah. an option. You know, it's not like an option. So I'm not going to have that. You, you're a human. You're going to have that. That's gonna kick in. So the way to deal with this is to get exposed. And then serving, bro, you expose every day, every hour, in every, you know, it's just like the way I am right now, bro, speaking to you guys, before it wouldn't be possible. You know, like I'll be nervous, I'll be talking like, oh my God, I didn't even know. I wouldn't be me. But now after all this, you know, like, oh, just two cool people hanging out, let's share some war stories. Boom. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about tipping you, and you don't got to worry about tipping me. So we're all in an even <laughs> ah, playing field. You're not going to be spitting yeah. in our food tonight. No, so I appreciate I just, it. I didn't break a cork in front of anybody. I fucked up many a bottle of wine, but uh, the, I think my favorite story is uh, I've told Jen this a million times, but I, I'm working at a 
uh, Denny's Diner. And I mean, we had the drunk rush, right, that comes in from about 10 to 2 in the morning. And I work graveyard, so I had to deal with, like I said, all the people the cops were going to deal with later. Bro, and, uh, oh, my God. Dude, it was, it was pretty decent money, but uh, it was yeah. a lot of work. And but the cool thing was the drunk crowd, for the most part, was way cooler than the Sunday morning church crowd by far. And that's not even a dig; it's just a actual fact in restaurants. But so I'm walking up to this table. Luckily, they were either high or drunk, probably both. And I walked, yeah. up, "Hey, welcome to Denny's!" And right as I walked up, farted very loudly. It was I didn't think it was going to be that loud there was I thought no I could... music playing or anything no that's the thing is that there, there's you know restaurant noise and a little bit of music and stuff but it was that loud and i was like so i i literally just like held my finger up turned around and walked away then came back up and i was like all right let's try this again welcome to danny and they're just <laughs> rolling laughing <laughs> wait tell your story i thought you were going to tell a different story about the steak i don't know if you told that last time i don't know if i told that one either steak i ever had that oh that's this is another psa to people who go to restaurants um you can order your steak well done but just know the chef is looking down his nose at you for doing that especially if it's a filet mignon just get it medium rare get over it so this dude comes in and orders a t-bone and i mean well done is well done already but this guy i don't know what his deal was cooked a perfectly well done. I mean, nice sear, all that stuff. T-bone. Send it out. And he sends it back saying that he wants it like boot leather. I'm like, okay. I was busy. Like, I was by myself in the cook's line. I'm like, fuck this guy. So I stuck it in the microwave for like five minutes. I don't even know. I just hit the first button I saw. It's like, fuck this guy. It came out like three times smaller than it started out. And uh, I plopped that sucker back on the plate and sent it out. And I was like, hi, I'm totally going to get a complaint for this. He tells the server to come tell me that that was the best goddamn steak he's ever had. I'm like, well, now I know what to do with you. Five minutes in the microwave for your T-bone. Got it. Hi. Oh, I'm sure on something. Marijuana (laughs) helps in the service industry. I never smoked. I I missed out so hardcore. Maybe I'll just start being a server again and I'll just get ripped before each shift. Oh, yeah. The thing is different world. (laughs) Yeah, for me. So I have to be out. Like I have to be in the job for a while. For me to go and smoke like a big joint and go in because then i'm okay you know i can do it it's all you know i don't have because if i have to tank because i mean like the brain you gotta so if you are learning still especially for for me one thing that would fuck me up was the micros like if i was too high oh my god the micros would be the biggest challenge like oh where is everything like oh my god i remember one time bro I was at this maximum restaurant and then uh, uh, I smoke a lot and then I got in. It was like three weeks into the job. I didn't even know everything. And that was the first lesson I remember because I was freaking out at the micros. Like, yo, they took the guacamole out of the menu, man. Where is the guacamole? Wait, are you talking about the computers? Are you huh? calling them micros? Is that your word for yeah, yeah. computers? Yeah, so yeah. I think it's like that, that one POS. POS, oh, POS, like, yeah, point of sales, yeah, okay, yeah. gotcha, because you said that in the book, and I was like, I think he means the POS, but I couldn't tell. Maybe it's a Florida thing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, here we have micros. You know, okay. if you go like, huh. that's, that, so by now everything's going toast, and I think Sky something, that's the one I work right now. I don't remember the full okay. name. <laughs> Sorry. The best one is toast, man. But uh, we work, so at, at this restaurant, this Mexican nightclub, it was micros, micro system. Okay. So it, it was like fast, you know, you, you, you type, like you type something, it would go on, like didn't have a lag to it or anything, but uh, it would be f- like, oh my God, they have so many, you know, items that for you to find something, you need to be there for at least two months, you know, because they have, 
like booze, they have liquor, they have whiskey, they have tequila. Like tequila, they have like, oh my God, it's a fucking 500 list. <laughs> so if you you need to know what everything, so you, because I mean, now you can go search, you know, a lot of systems have search. You, like you go search, ah, I need a skirt steak. You just have to type skirt steak and it shows up. But then before you got to go uh, appetizers, them drinks, that, that. I remember one day I was like, dude, where's the guacamole, bro? And then I called like all my three co-workers. And then they came by. I was like, yo, where's the guacamole? It was literally in front of me, right? Boom. Just like, <laughs> crazy, bro. Boom. And they said the guacamole. And then one time too, I freak out because I thought like I'm losing my mind. But I, so at this time I was drinking a lot too. Uh, I remember um, the guy... I was at a table, so I was having blackouts at these moments because this I was an, I was an alcoholic. Now this time it was fucking hard, man. It, that's why the book is like the nightclub. He's an alcoholic because that is based on my life. That at that moment, rather than I was serving them waters and shit, and then the guy I still haven't got my drink, and I look at my menu or my writing. I was like iced tea, like okay. They come back it's like ah, there you go, sir, iced tea, boom, and then he looked at me, bro the fuck and then he was pissed like what the fuck man this is the third time i'm talking to you and then like what it's like i asked you for a long island ice i'm like <laughs> oh you know i'll be right back and then i went and then when the food arrived this is in the book actually i think this story when the when the food arrived he was like dude i ordered a mexican burger he got a burrito ball it's like really and then i look in my book it was a burrito ball written and i was like how oh, the damn. fuck do they do this I was losing, like, I don't know if I was in touch, was just tripping. I don't know what I was, but I was losing. Like, I was big time in trouble. And then I remember that I got fired because I was drunk one night. And that's how everything went to shit, because I lost a lady's credit card. So she came to me like, hey, uh, yeah, you're going to get to this part, I guess, in the book, because it's about to happen. He's going to have a mental breakdown, and he's going to get, I'm sorry, I'm ruining it. Oh, my God. No, you're fine. I'm still going to yeah, read so it. Go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So it's based on my own story because this was the worst moment of my life at that moment. And then I was, because I had so intense, I was a rock star, kind of. You know, we had this bar, I, I would sing on the karaoke every night. I would open the karaoke. We'd have a lot of people, like 400 people every night, drinking a lot and making, you know, we're making a lot of money. And everybody using drugs, etc. cetera. Um, uh, I was, this lady came up and said, where, uh, I need my check. I was like, yeah, you need to give me your card. She's like, I already gave it to you. I was like, no, I didn't got it. And she was like, yes, I did. Da, da, da. And then my start like we start arguing, and my manager saw, and they say I was sweaty as shit. I was sweaty, like I was over sweating. Like, no, I because I, I don't remember this. So uh, imagine I was at the club at the night, and then all of a sudden, it's like somebody yank uh, a cord from a TV. You know, it all went black. Boom, and I'm in the I'm in the manager's office. All four managers looking at me. Where's the latest credit card? And I, I I remember I wake up. I was crying a lot, like I had tears all over me. Like Jesus Christ, what happened? It's like Daniel, where's the latest credit card? And I just cried. Like I was, you know, <clears throat> I was so bad, and I didn't know what to say because I didn't remember. Like that's when I knew, like goddamn, alcohol fucks you so bad because that that night. I tried to pull back the memory and it's not possible, man. It's not there. Uh, it's not deleted. there. Like, so what happened was a server found uh, the car. So she gave me the car, everything normal. And then I grabbed the car. I, I pay and I put in a book and I put the book on top of the table, like where the micros is. And then I left it there. 
And now I never came back. I never. Oh. So oh, simple the, mistake. The things got easy. And then, like, they fired me that night. And then I was like, fuck, I lost my job. You know, now, you know, I don't know what to do and everything else. So I was Jesus. Because, I mean, it was a big hit on my ego. You know, like, oh, I had the coolest job. I don't need to go to the party. My job is the party. <laughs> you know, you have that kind of bullshit. But I mean, I was taking like this is just an example how that life was taken over, because you're getting every morning like you're getting home like at four in the morning, five in the morning, boom, just crazy. Oh, Gotta yeah. get up. Oh yeah, yeah I so remember driving home from work when the sun was coming up, and then knowing that I had to get up in a few hours when I was a bartender. And they also encourage you to drink. Though <clears throat> you mentioned this in the book, they would kind of tell you or encourage you to take shots. So it's not yeah. like they're they're they sort of frown upon it if you get drunk, but they also want you to drink copious amounts of alcohol throughout the night to have fun with all of the guests. So yeah. that's a it's a really tall order to ask you to drink a bunch and not get drunk. Hey, take these 10 shots. Don't get drunk, though, or you're fucking fired. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, the thing was, like, the night they fired me, one thing that a friend of mine, because you got to imagine, like, the good thing is, you know, you meet good people. So I had this friend when I started at this job, he was a buster. I was like, dude, you're pretty, you know, like you gotta, you know, you can't go and make money as a server. Go ask them, keep, keep me bothering the manager, like, hey, give me a chance. I want to be a server. Give me a chance. I'll teach you how to serve. And then this dude got the chance. I taught him, you know, so you got the drinks now, you read the table, you wait for the drinks, you put the food order, ta -da -da. I taught him everything. He started making money. And then at that night I got fired because they fired me in this way. Like they look at me and said, uh, so you're not, you don't work at, you know, the restaurant anymore. And but you still owe us four hundred eighty dollars because I was drunk, so I didn't charge everybody. You oh, know, shit. Oh no. Yeah, so I was I had like ten checks open, whatever you know. So I had to pay the liquor that I owed the the, the nightclub at the moment to go home. And then I got them. I don't have four hundred. You know, I don't have this money. And then um, this guy, which is my friend Kyle, like he came. He's like, no, I got it, I got it. And then he paid for me. I, he had to wait like six months for me to pay that back because i so at that moment i was zero bro like zero dollars in my bank account that was so crazy and i i got out and two months that's when i saw like i was in the dependence of alcohol because i started a new job and then i went to the new job at 10 in the morning we start opening the restaurant this co-worker gave me some attitude and i went in the back and I grab a vodka bottle, you know, like plastic vodka bottle they had to sell, bro. That's and jet fuel, dude. No, man. I feel a mug and I chunk it like, okay, now I feel better. I was like, dude, I remember that at that moment. I was like, I'm fucked, dude. I'm fucked because I literally needed this like, to go ahead and work on a four-hour shift in a buffet restaurant. When I went back to work and, you know, like, wow. And then I blew my mind out, you know. And then I start. The mushroom journey after that, that's when all that happened, you know, so that connects now. But at that moment, I didn't know. I just did weed and alcohol, you know. And You didn't ever do mushrooms or psychedelics at a restaurant, right? Because that would be, I can imagine that would be brutal. I'd never try that. No, I did. So I did one of those following mushrooms. No, so, but I, I did the small, you know, the micro. So oh, okay. Okay, the totally house. different story. Yeah. But I was working at this uh, steakhouse, though, which was very rough crowd because they had two options at the moment. They had one $40 option and they had one $16 option. 
So I don't know, like Orlando, you get all kinds of fucks and creepies, you know, like you get the guys from, you know, the, the hood because it's $16 and they can't, they can't stake. And then you got the people from the church because it's $16. They can come and sit down, 40 of them and, you know, talk shit. And, right. And then you deal like with the guy from the Ferrari to the guy to the, you know, goddamn Volvo. And I was every day you know, smoking weed a lot and the pen came out of them, right? The pens. You can go in the restaurant and smoke a pen. And I started doing yeah. that. And um, it would start fucking with mushroom then and LSD. And for me, I was doing two grams of mushrooms and going to the restaurant. And it was just making me happy. You know, everything was just more, you know, pal palatable. I could take the, this shit and then, like, in this understand through, I don't know, cycles and cycles of DNA through their history. <laughs> oh, they come from a shitty mother, from a shitty grandmother, from a shitty grandpa. What the fuck? Like, this family runs like this from centuries, bro. You're not going to change them. So there is a, a fucking door that opens. And then the fact that I could, like, because, I mean, I knew a lot of Terrence McKenna at the time. Terrence McKenna, he teaches you how to deal with mushrooms and LSD and how your mind... It's going to interpret everything. But I was having this experience and I was thinking like, why? Like, you know, when you have mushrooms and the first question you make yourself like, why is this illegal? You know, like, what the fuck? Why is this illegal? You know, like, why? Like, I'm feel great, bro. I, I'm not hurting anybody. I don't know. Of course, you have to be careful because it's not for everybody. But like, right. just the thinking that this is but alcohol isn't either. And that's legal. So. Yes, dude. Like alcohol is the only drug that if you don't do it, people ask you why. You know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You don't drink. What? You don't what? What happened? Like, you know, and that like if you don't smoke weed at school, like you know, there is nothing going, but alcohol is so ingrained in the mentality that it's the only drug that you gotta ask why you don't drink it, why you don't do it, why? What happened? And like, oh, makes me feel dizzy. It's like, oh, you gotta drink more then. Like there, there's mm -hmm. Like this argument. And also when I tell people that I don't drink today, I'll go for a beer, you know, but I drink tattoo. I start giving headaches to me. So whenever I tell people, oh, no, uh, I don't like to drink. It's like, it's because you, you don't drink the right way or, you know, they have good points of views and good words for it. I don't like. Yeah, it's because they want you to have fun with them. They want you to be on their level. But when you're on mushrooms and when you're around drunk people, that is a whole different world. Drunk people are the fucking worst when you're on yeah. mushrooms. It's like yeah, trying to communicate with ants. Like, oh, I'm sorry. And it doesn't mean that you're better when you're on mushrooms. It's just so different. It's an impossible thing to have a conversation. Yeah, kind of. When you're on mushrooms, you just like have the bigger picture in your head and it's not like, oh, my God, you know, this is just a conversation, right? Like, it's not like me telling them something or, you know, ah, they don't respect my opinion or it's not about you. You know, like, it's not about you. You know, it's just a moment in there that you're going to. So you have lightness. So every moment, if you meet every moment with lightness, that's how it should be. Because society now, you have these people coming in with their own traumas. You can feel them, the vibe, like you talking to them, it just, it just comes at you. The whole fucking vibe from the past, from whatever they're bringing in, that fight with the boyfriend, whatever. It just comes at you. They're like, they're not free in the moment. They're holding back something. They're holding back. They didn't let it go. And it's hurting them. And then if you're not careful, it's going to, you know, get in yourself. 
you know, get into your own skin. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol does that all the time to people. That's why they lose themselves. Oh. I've never seen someone on mushroom that's like, oh, I, I don't know what's going I mean, okay, I've seen some people tripping balls. That happened to Ben once. But if you're just sitting there chilling, microdosing, usually you can see the bigger picture and realize that you don't matter so much. You oh. still matter, but it's not all about you. That spotlight syndrome that you said the brain does, that completely goes away. You realize that that spotlight isn't even really there and it never mattered in the first place. And it's definitely not on you. When when was how much was the highest dose of mushrooms you guys did? I don't know. In my life, uh, yeah, like th I want to say like two and a half, three grams. But we're also hobbits, so we're very small people. So <laughs> that's kind of a lot to us. Oh my god! Because I mean, I don't know, she's probably eating more than that. I have. I, I don't know though. We weren't measuring. I just ate it out of a plastic Ziploc bag with my friend on the beach. One of my girlfriends, uh -oh. we, we were in Indiana. We went to the beach and we're just hanging out. Um, and I saw the craziest patterns in the rocks on the beach that I've never mm -hmm. seen before. It looked like spirals. And I asked her if that was real. And she had much more experience than I did. And she said, I don't know, probably not. And there could be so many meanings to that. I just had no idea. The sky looked crazy. I felt amazing, though. And I didn't give two shits about myself. And we, we said... The, the two of us said <clears throat> we said the same thing or we finished each other's sentences like we were just hanging out talking as friends sitting on the beach and we just kept finishing each other's sentences or saying the same thing and we were just right on that same level and it was amazing but i haven't yes. had that happen recently no i thought like the first time i thought i had mushrooms it literally like i oh now i can see colors now i get it man. oh this is green bro you know like even a plate on the highway that tells you exit 74. I'll oh, be driving. Beautiful. Yeah, man. They go, holy shit, look at this. Who made that? You know, you have this quite like it's it's just you admiring stuff. That's I mean, it's not good if you are on it all the time, you know, because it doesn't get it like you, you're not gonna get shit done, you know, sometimes if you do it too yeah. much. Because you're just gonna be contemplating stuff, you know. That's the purpose. Like psychedelics, they're gonna make you contemplate, you know, whatever you are, you're gonna be like. Uh, looking at a chair and then you're going to see the details of the chair and your mind kind of gets the details that of the happening like you get to connect instead of the what you connect the you know oh how was this done oh okay somebody came with their hands and like kind of put this together right oh my god look <laughs> yeah. At this. yeah like they, they it's clear to you man the message is open you know you're not yeah. thinking with the mind of the monkey, right? You're just admiring now. You're not worried about yourself. You're just in the moment. And then you can see through the cracks. Bah, bah, bah. You see like, oh my God, somebody did the perfect thing here. Look at this. And you admire, right? Yeah. I mean, you can do that even on pretty good doses of uh, the pot marijuana. You can start kind of getting that half mushroomy effect from that. But yeah, the mushrooms will definitely do that. What's uh, that nervous, that nervous feeling? Yeah, what's the craziest uh, thing you've been on at restaurants, though? Because I think, well, I know that I did coke a couple times. That was not good, though. It was no. not fun. If anyone's book is true, I know he's been on some crazy shit. I was I on the story. top of it for 45 minutes. It got everything done. Everybody was served. And then all of a sudden, it all fell apart. And I was like, uh-oh, where's the coke? Because so now I suck. Yeah, for me, the thing is, I'm very intense, you know, so I, I can't do coke. I never, I never fuck with coke because my family is very intense in everything they do. So if I know, I know if I go to coke, I'm going to be so into it. 
that it would fuck me up like forever i don't know because i have a cousin we all know the story like in my my life my family he, he fucks it up really bad because he was on it for days and days nobody know how he's alive today and for me like i'm fast enough you know like i work on a 220 volts all day so weed is good for me because it slows me down so yeah. that would be like the perfect antidote to my anxiety you know i, I get to see things you know in a slow pace Instead of, you know, just going out, oh, my God, this is happening. Oh, yes. But no, you go like, okay, okay, this is happening. I'm going to do this. Then, you know, you have the things together. You don't break down on weed. And I think I think I'm already too slow and deliberate with things that weed just makes me like, wow, now I'm at a quarter speed or something. (laughs) But I love it. I still love it. But that's why I always when I was younger, I would do the uppers because I'm like, I'm a lazy, sleepy person. Give me something to wake me up. I'm the same as Daniel. I've never tried Coke in my life. Actually, I've watched people do it. I've never tried it because I'm way too hyper. And I was 10,000 times more hyper 20 years ago when I was a server. I was like all over the place. I would have probably died of a heart attack immediately upon taking Coke. I mean, I did two. I did two times coke. I know. One time I did it in the book because I was with this marine who like kind of puts a gun into me, and then like because I mean he had had PTSD, you know, so he was kind of you know out of his mentally good state. So he we went to his house. He put like four lines of cocaine on the table, and then he kind of like, hey, I'm doing this. You're gonna do it, you know. So you're in my house. So you gotta respect my house. He had like this bullshit, which is okay, but not with cocaine, you know. Like, uh, you're coming to my house, I'm snoring cocaine, you're going to snore cocaine, bro, you know? So Yeah, um, no, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, so that night I did, but I, I, I remember feeling like, why, you know, I don't know what, what is this doing in my system. And another time I did with the friends that we were like playing guitars and hanging out. And then I was like, let me see what this is. Because you got to see like this fucking powder, man, cocaine. And like... That thing in history everywhere, man. Like everybody got drawn to it. Like Freud, you guys know Freud, right? Freud was so yeah. into it that so I don't remember his friend. Like there, there is like this famous story about Freud. He had a friend, and this guy was also a doctor, and he was very addicted to opioid. And but oh, he was so into it that he was barely sleeping. He everything in his life was going hours and first like no no man leave the opioid and you know get into cocaine okay it's much better and then the guy started doing cocaine and he ends up dying from overdose of cocaine and then the the jar like the journal like went talking bad shit about you know cocaine this like oh cocaine is like it's a very hard drug you shouldn't do it doctor you know somebody just died from it and then freud wrote an article defending the drug and saying that his friend fuck it up you know he didn't know how to use it so you gotta think about like this drug. There's something to it, but like, if it gets to you, you're gonna need it more than anything else in your life. More than yeah. Life. See, I never even <laughs> understood that. I mean, I got that. It, I mean, it was kind of fun in certain circumstances, but I can't imagine the person that wakes up and does a bump of coke in the morning just to get by. Like, I, it's too expensive for me. That's why I never got hooked on it. I was always either somebody else's or I put in ten bucks on it because I'm like, I'm not paying. Yeah, that. That's way too said- expensive. Yeah, the thing they say makes you feel like Superman, right? You're going to go. You're not going to have any doubts. Because, I mean, I don't know for me, like, if I, like, let's say you're a Hollywood star or whatever. you got to go into meetings and then you're a rapper or whatever. And then you're meeting another rapper who is a millionaire. And this guy is acting all cool and confident and it's make you feel insecure. 
And then if you do two bumps of cocaine before going to the room with him, you're going to feel like, okay, I know this guy now. You know, hey, I'm going to talk as loud as him. I'm going to talk as fast as him because cocaine, you know. So for them, I think they're living in this environment and it kind of, you know, goes to them like, oh, my God, I'm going to snort cocaine before meeting 50 Cent because, you know, I'm going to be so shocked. And then I got to be cool. I got to look cool. Right. I think in this environment, it gets more into your life. But like, yeah, people, maybe so. Yeah, because like there's a thing, bro. If you're snorting cocaine in a nightclub, you're probably snorting shit. You know that, right? Like, you, like it's so bad. Like cocaine nowadays is like oh, one yeah. of the worst because nobody knows what's in it. Like no. there's creatine, there's like you're probably snorting some pills, and you think it's cocaine. Oh, People, that, yeah, that for sure is happening. Yeah, bro. Here, here we have Miami, man, and like. Whenever I know people come from Miami to Orlando and I'm dealing with them and they're talking very fast and loud, like, what? You guys got the good shit. You know, yeah. they always on it, man. Like, they, it's a phase, I think. I don't know. Like, because a lot of people do it. You guys know. Oh, yeah. And it was fine. Like, I just thought it was funny because it's a fun time. But then at the end of the sack, you end up just getting blazed anyway and smoking weed so you can come down off the coat. And then you're <laughs> baked off weed and you're like, you know what? We could have just done this. Like it's yeah. way cheaper. We could have just got stoned or something. Like why did we go through all of that trouble? And yes, cops I, following us and shit. Yeah, man. Like you see the red light and you think, oh, they're making the red lights for them to catch up. Oh no. Yeah. So I did like, so I did Adderall. You know, a lot. I wrote my book actually on Adderall, and I oh. I talk about a little bit on Adderall in the book because it was the like for me at the time was. So if you get weed and you get coffee and then you blend the two together, it makes like, you know, some Jedi combination. You awake. It's a speedball. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you awake and you're in the moment and you're also not anxious, you know. So if you know how to dodge that, at some point that was that road to me. Because, I mean, as a server, you know, if you're going to work in a nightclub, like nightclub is crazy. So you got to be paying attention to a lot of shit and it's dark. You're not seeing everything. You got to run. You know, you run drinks, you run over people, you do everything and you talk loud. You know, you hear the guys spitting on your ear. There's a lot going on. So you got to get your shit together. And then Adderall gets it more than anything. And I did a lot of Adderall. And I knew a lot of, because I mean, uh, when you work in ice clubs, you want to make the money, but you see people making crazy money. Like you make $500 and somebody else is making a thousand. And you go like, oh my God, how they do that? It's cocaine. Like a lot. <laughs> A lot. Like, I remember I working with this guy. His name in this book, in the book is Rick. You know, he's an asshole. Oh, yeah. I based, yeah, I based off his personality on Trump, Donald Trump, like the things he said about women and shit, you know, like, because yeah. I think Trump made it okay for you to say bullshit, you know, like, it's just, just he being who he is and being a main stage in the world, it makes it okay for you to say crazy shit. Like, everybody now say crazy shit. Like, ah, I grabbed them by the pussy, whatever, you know? <laughs> so I had this guy, and then, like, you know, when you meet somebody and you be like, God damn, man, I have to, I'm going to have a lot of patience to deal with this dude. Like, I shake his hand, and then he has a pineapple tattoo in his arm. Right? Oh, yeah. And then, That's and then yeah, right, so. Uh, and then I was like, this is the craziest, like, because I think people have some tattoos for bullshit just to tell shit because you ask them, oh, why you have a third eye on your chin? 
Why you have this? And then you ask them, they're gonna tell you, because I have a near-death experience and it changed <laughs> my life. You know, they're gonna be really serious. And then it's some bullshit story. So this guy, he had a pineapple tattoo on his forearm. I'm like, hey, dude, why you have a pineapple tattoo on your forearm? And then he's like, you know, do you know that pineapple symbolizes friendship? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, like you said kid. it sounded like a scripted response like he's done it over and over and over again and perfected it so that he can spit it out yeah. to the ladies or dude, just to his table or that whoever. sounds like a cokehead for sure yeah so dude this was like his main goddamn thing like he would use to this to greet tables to you know hook up with girls to uh, whatever man because he would say this in a daily basis at least 50 times I don't even know how much, like, at one point I was getting so over, I was like, God damn it, can you stop this bullshit? Because it's disgusting. And I told him, you have a tattoo that brings you a loser, bro. Like, this is out of, out of this world. But then he would make crazy money. That dude, obviously, he was on some next level bullshit because he was kind of book, you know, like, physically. And he would take yeah. his shirt off, do all kind of crazy shit. I picture and, him as like a a bald like bodybuilder, like a John Cena character, like bodybuilder guy, tan, and just like real cheesy, like a Chad. Just like, hey, yeah. ladies, what you doing tonight? Like the kind that the bimbos would be like, oh my god, it's so hot, like that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. called a, a a giga Chad. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So he was all over, and then like. I got to see like the reactions of girls to him because you think some girls, you know, I know there's girls and girls, you know, and then the Kardashian generation. Fuck it. It's just insane. Like these bitches, man, they fuck it. Like, cause I mean, in my next book, I want to address this so bad, you know, cause I see, I have seen it out there, man. It's, it's in society. Now we have Kardashians copycats. So you have the girls that watch the show and they want to be like Kyle Jenner, Kendall Jenner, whatever. And they're gonna they they wanna be like you know such a stereotype, like they do the lip injection, they're gonna do maybe a BBL, and they're gonna change themselves to look cool, right? To be like a Kardashian, and I don't know, but like I seen them with Rick, the character in the book, like I, I use him to no end to address these people, like the way he goes to them and appeal to their ego physically, you know, it makes like. Because some some good people think, like, how does this guy get laid so much? You know, like, there will be some people asking this question, like, how the fuck? Like, why? Because he's an asshole. You know, and he has women, he makes money, and he has all. So I would be getting high on weed every night and thinking about how does this happen? And like, why? And then you got to understand, like, at one point in time, this guy got a good hold of, you know, a sweet bullshit talk. And he learned this one thing. And that's how he took it for life from now on. Because uh, like every nightclub he works at that allows him to do this, like he's going to keep like, you know, the same cycle. Because I know that like, until to this day, I think he's on the same bullshit. Wow. Same. Huh. Uh -huh. But that, that type of person though, um, and I'm not saying this is good behavior, but if someone approaches you with an air of confidence and they have in their own heart that they're maybe better or that they're on another level. It doesn't, it's not a better or worse thing. It doesn't mean they are better, but if they have that mentality and they're already kind of looking down at the world below them, they can manipulate people a lot more easily. And it does behoove people to do that, but not in a judgmental way. So I think we should all look at the world that way, but not 
not to not for manipulation purposes, but those people, when they already have that, it's like some people are rich and they choose to spend money on going vacation, you know, giving money to their relatives. And some people are rich and they choose to be, I don't know, business owners who are assholes. Like you can do different things with your powers. So I think some people are born with that confidence already and they can just use it however they want. Well, and then Some there's people the people that are things. filthy rich that you would never know when same thing. When I worked at Denny's, we had a couple that came in that looked like your average, ordinary, like trailer park grandma and grandpa. Like that's how they looked. False teeth, the whole thing. They just ordered bacon and coffee. Like that was it. And they always tipped a five every time. And they were super oh, nice. Wow. Found that's out so later cool. that they had won the lottery several years ago. And they get annuity payments every single year and they have a huge house out in the country right outside of town and they take all these crazy trips and they did it was the craziest <laughs> shit. you would never believe these people were loaded as fuck i don't even know how much their lottery was but they didn't have to work ever again it sounds like, so the type of people who take the annuity payments though every year or month are like very responsible, boring people. No offense to anyone who does that. That's exactly what but they were saying. If I won the lottery, I'd be like lump sum, baby, cut it in half. I don't even care. I still got five million. I'm going to spend it. Let's go on vacation. Where can you get the cocaine? The people who are like, oh, I just won the lottery. OK, well, how much will I get monthly in those annuity payments? Like that's a very responsible. That's the thing. I think they, I think they won it when they were already older and more experienced. So it was the best time for them to win it because they weren't retarded fucking 19 year olds that were like, Oh, party Vegas, baby. You know, I win you know? the lottery. I'm not going to take annuity payments and keep working or go to Denny's. Oh, they didn't have to work at all. <laughs> Bro, it's so crazy work at Denny's man, because I really, so we had this restaurant that I work at that I was crazy at. That was, you know, an alcoholic and everything. I got fired. So we had a Denny's wall to wall. Like literally all the drunks would get out of this place to go to Denny's. Like, you know, that's the first thing you do. Like, the first thing you, you do. There. You gotta... I was yeah, there, you... yes. <laughs> so, I remember one time. So, I went to Denny's and we were like, I remember there was like, uh, I made $800. I was like so happy. And I went to Denny's and this server, I think he was the only one. And this was like three something in the morning. And then he was so like pissed, man. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God. Like, okay, what else? You know, like, oh shit. And then I'm like, everybody, I was, you know, like, he was like, okay, man, it's, it's cool, you know, don't worry, we understand. But he was like, oh my God, this is sucks. Like, I, th I thought about how I would act in that situation. I'll probably be worse, you know, like, Jesus Christ, look at everybody being loud as shit. You know, I just want to pay my rent and go home. And oh my God, I have to see these people. Fuck this, man. You know, it was like, oh shit, I don't know, because... Whenever I thought about, like, I, I hate working at a place that, you know, people come as regulars. I just want to see one time and get out, yeah. you know. Uh, whenever, because, yeah. I mean, I work in places that have regulars, bro. It's so bad because, like, I mean, it's not bad. But for me, I don't, I didn't enjoy because the manager will come to me and say, like, hey, yo, you see that table that I just sat for you? So they come here for 20 years. You better yeah. take fun. Canada, so much right? pressure. You have all this pressure on you. They like three pennies but every time. Take care of them. What you have to do, though, is build a relationship with the regulars because the regulars hate new servers. They're like, right. oh, who are you? Yeah, I've never thing. seen you here before. Yeah, the first thing they say to you, they say that shit. They go like, you're new here. 
and uh, I love so whenever whoever I went to these places, I remember I saw so uh, the game is on for every server. We all know like the game is on every time because I remember my mind would be constantly thinking about restaurant, and if I went to a Starbucks, I'll be thinking like, okay. Oh my god, this is happening. Like that guy is stressed. This guy is overworked. He doesn't know how to do shit. Look at that guy. He's so slow. Like my mind would be like taking information, you know, like about the workers in there as if I was with them. And uh I remember that I heard this guy one time, the uh, Starbucks, this old customer giving him shit, like, yeah, oh my god, I ordered like the fucking almond milk bullshit. And then you gave me regular soup, I don't know, milk, and then the guy. And I seen this guy there for like, I don't know, two months now. He's working there, this, this barista. And then the old man is giving him shit. And then you just started here, right? And then he goes like, yeah, I started yesterday. And then I was like, God damn, that was so good. Like, oh my God, I, I immediately took that. I took that. And every time like I would see somebody giving me shit, like, you just started here, right? It's like, yeah, I started yesterday, you know. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so good. One time I said this, my manager said, like, dude, you're professional mafioso. You know mafioso, right? Yeah. Like, you deal with the people in the same mindset that deal with you, you know? So that's yeah. why we, this the game changer. Because this creativity, bro, this, this, because, I mean, there's a detachment for me to be capable of saying this. Because otherwise I'm pissed, man. I'm pissed yeah. that this guy is treating me like this. I'm literally well, there to take the goddamn order and make his life better, that moment, whatever. And then he's giving me like, you don't know like the menu, do you? Like, Bro, come on, man. Let's do this together, me and you right now. You know, and then you go like, no, man, I started yesterday. I'm just learning as you go. Come on, give it to me, bro. And yeah, then why don't you read the it to me and I'll memorize it, okay? Let's look <laughs> at it. Then we would go, boom, boom. Now, I, I love the place I work at because it's just stories. So I'm never probably going to see you again, you know? Yeah, no, that, that would be perfect. Uh, we I live in a smaller town, so we saw a lot of the same people over and over. And there were people that would refuse to sit in my section, and I was very happy about it. I'm like, good, please don't. Please don't come in they here. They refuse to sit in your section? Oh, there was, there was at least well, one that, table. With, with, time, with time, this can fucking happen a lot. Like oh, you, yeah. You don't even want to see that. Look, fucking customers come in. Dude, you see servers running. Like, no, I'm not taking him. I'm not I'm taking, taking a 10. I'm taking a 10. I'll be outside no, no. smoking. <laughs> you see them, man. Like, it's just happened. Like, it's fucking crazy because you see the guy's going to get, like, I don't even know why you come here because you're going to be a bitch, right? It's because like people want to be pissed off. That's why people, some people go to restaurants in general, I'm pretty sure, is just to be a dick to somebody. Well, that's on that why you have to build a relationship with the host or hostess so that they don't seat those people in your section. Because if they hate you, they're going to fuck you every time. They'll be like, oh, here's Imagine a top for you. Me and you, I'll call you like, hey, Rob, man, let's go to that restaurant. Let's see if they got it together now. Let's see if they got it <laughs> together. Now. Otherwise, they're going to fuck them up. Wow, man. You're going in, bro. <laughs> Yeah, um, what I was gonna say, oh, what the fuck, I was about to make a goddamn good question, and I <laughs> damn it, I heard it, I heard your do brain you have any farting. Crazy, I want to hear any, do you have any crazy server stories specifically from your new job that you just started? Has anything crazy happened yet? Yes, I mean, it's, I mean, dude, uh, it was nice. So, I worked last night, for example, and I saw, like, I think it was the night that I saw the most expensive tequilas of my life. It was like, this dude was just rich, there's a convention, you know. And everybody was coming in and drinking good tequilas. And I was like, 
I remember five minutes, man. In five minutes, I sold like $400. This eight people, you know, like, holy shit, this is a good time. You know, you're going to be here. Everybody comes and they spend money. They don't complain about it because, oh, man, the last job I had, it was just like crazy bullshit. Like, oh, this is too expensive. And you got to work with these people, like for them. You know, it's a mind jujitsu thing. You got to turn the thing around so you can make money. So it can be rough. I hate it. Like when I think about it, you put too much work in. You have to be dealing with them and convincing them. No, but listen, it's a $40 shot. But if you do the Sincoro, which is the Michael Jordan tequila, it's $25. And then you got to be all day on this game, you know? So yeah. it's knowing it's, the prices and all that shit. Ugh. Yeah, it's tiring. And then now at this place, it's just like, hey, give me a, you know, Classia Zoo, which is a goddamn, you know, very nice tequila, which is $40 shot. Like last night was so nice, man. It was so nice and easy. And then you make $600. Boom. Damn. Nice. Yeah. $40 for a shot. <clears throat> yes, man. Tequilas, they have all kinds of shit. Like, you know, everybody now is in the, like the tequila business, let's say it's just booming. Because every, every celebrity, they have a tequila now. George, oh, yeah. I mean, George only just sold Casamigos, but he was, you know, Casamigos was his tequila. Michael Jordan has Sincoro. Uh, the most crazy for me is Kyle, I think it's Kendall Jenner, the Kardashian. She had one that tequila A18. And it's so and the, bad. Which guy's the Cabo guy? The Cabo Wabo? Uh, he has a tequila too, right? Um, Cabo What is this? I don't know. Cabo? I've He's an that. 80s rocker or something, but I think Ron White has. Maybe it's a tequila. Maybe it's a scotch. I'm not sure, but yeah, no, everybody all the celebrities because, do. Yeah, like so. A one eight from Kendall Jenner is like really bad, but like the girls see it and they know it's her and they order, and it's yeah. like two. It's like twenty dollars shot, you know. And hey, it's bad just look at it as That's you making a living. Stupid. You're That's making stupid. a living off of the NPCs that we like to talk about because yeah, yeah. you can figure out a way to work the system with the NPCs and make them give me your give you their money. I don't see a problem with it. They they want a product and you're selling it. So that's capitalism, right? Well, yeah. uh, I think we're going to close up here, dude. We got a couple things to do uh, with the kiddos and all that stuff. It's a weeknight, but oh, we appreciate fun. you coming on. And uh, tell tell the folks again where they can get your book in any social media or anything you want to plug. Yes, guys. So my book is available on Amazon. It's called Who Would Have Thought? A server with PTSD story is, you know, the book I wrote, you know, for all of us, for you, for me, you know, you're going to see yourself. That's the kind of hero's journey, you know, is a coming to age story. So you understand a little bit more about yourself in the end, because if you work in the industry, you know what's happening. And the saddest thing is there is no book out there that relates our story. You know, there is no server in a book going to a restaurant and dealing with the bullshit that every day we dealt with. You know, also bartenders and everything else, you know, the service industry. And yeah. I'm Daniel Ryder Diaz on Instagram, Diaz with S, if you want to follow me and then, you know, get in touch with everything I'm doing. I'm posting, you know, I'm posting about my job, you know, bartender now. I'm, you know, having fun and the drinks I make and the shit I talk with the customers. It's very nice. Just me nice. hanging out. And then, yeah, catch up with me and, you know, back to the gym, you know, get in shape again and everything else so we can keep the mind going. Very nice, awesome. guys. Oh, yeah. Dude, much love. Uh, we will talk yeah, to you next you time. So and a uh, quick show note. We don't have a show this week, so I'm putting out the show we did with Ghost from My Third Eye on Thursday. We got his express written, uh, written, written permission to do that. Do we not have a show Friday? No, and then we are, uh, not our show, but uh, we are oh. going on the Unjected show with our buddy Scott from uh, 
Well, it was Truthzilla, but now it's rebunked. Rebunk Truthzilla Scott. Anyway, any, anybody knows him, but we're going to be live on Unjected at 6 Pacific, I think, on their channel. So you can check that out too. Thank you, Daniel. We will see you again very yes, soon, sir. I'm sure. But yes, let's keep that up, guys. Bye. All right. Bye.